Hey there, friends. Welcome to the third official episode of the Better Self Project podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. And I'm Pamela. And we are here to give tactical and practical tips regarding acquiring and sustaining healthy behaviors and habits. Today, we thought we'd do something fun where we give five easy strategies to... To help continue developing a healthy relationship with food. Yes, exactly. But first, we're going to start with a story. Story time. It's a story I think many of us can relate to. There's times in our adult life where maybe healthy eating gets away from us a little bit. Maybe we're consuming not-so-healthy items or calorically dense items, meaning food items that have lots of calories in them and lots of those food items as well. So so Kyle, when you started to develop a healthier relationship with food, where were you at in your lifestyle journey? I'm so glad you asked, Pamela. So in my late 20s, I, I'll just set the scene here. I was living with three other grown men and I was not partaking in the healthiest of behaviors. Might've been drinking a little too much. I was drinking lots of craft beer at the time. And craft beer is one of those items that happens to be fairly calorically dense among other things. But I was also eating out quite a bit. I was eating at Chipotle because Chipotle was right by my house. So it was oops convenient. And I was eating there about three to four times per week, which Chipotle by itself, not the most inherently unhealthy place to eat. They have relatively good ingredients, not incredibly terrible for you. Food is value neutral. It's not good or bad. So I just want to get that out of the way first. But I think it was what I was consuming at Chipotle that led to me consuming these high calorie meals all in one sitting. So I would order a burrito with all the dairy items. I might've had sour cream, cheese, guacamole, plus chips on the side and any given night at Chipotle I might have been consuming eight to twelve hundred calories just in one sitting yeah and that's the thing you know that stuff it definitely adds up again eating out we eat at Chipotle like once a week to be completely honest eating out isn't necessarily bad but if we're eating out all the time that stuff can definitely add up when I was eating out a lot, I, I was also working a stressful job and I was gaining weight. So I gained around 65, 70 pounds. And just for context, I'm 5'11". At my heaviest, I got up to about 235, 240. And now I comfortably sit around 175 to 180. So just to give context, everybody's got their own story when it comes to stuff like that. So everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different. This just happens to be part of mine. When you first decided to start exploring, okay, what I'm doing isn't working. I need to figure out what I need to change and do next. Like many people, you sit down and you Google, right? You look up, what do I need to do to make healthier choices with my food? What can that look like? And you get a huge variety of articles. Right. An onslaught of information. Most of it misinformation. Yeah. And every article you read is like conflicting the last article you read before that. So it can be very, very overwhelming. And frequently we find that this is the point where people just stop. It's so overwhelming and it feels so daunting and you don't know who to believe and who to trust well, then fine. I'm not doing any of the things. Right. And myself, I was kind of wondering, well, what should I be eating on a regular basis if I'm going to try to hit some of these goals, these healthier goals? Because at the time, I just wanted to feel better. And that is very common among the people that come and see us and want to work with us. They want to have some type of a guide, some type of a blueprint, some parameters to follow within. 
This is why we wanted to give you all five easy, completely sustainable places where you can just start developing a healthier relationship with food and making some more thoughtful and mindful choices while you're at it. And the first of this is reducing the frequency that you're eating out at restaurants or fast food. Yeah. So why is eating out a challenge or why can it be challenging for us? Restaurants are very sneaky about adding an unnecessarily high amount of calories in our every day dishes. And sometimes it's fairly insidious because it might just be something like extra butter, extra oil, heavy whipping cream added to sauces that we may not even be consciously aware of because we didn't prepare the food ourselves. But most restaurants are not going to be shy about adding a few extra hundred calories to your food. And that's the thing. Ordering the majority of your food from restaurants is not only expensive in dollars, but it can add up a lot of unnecessary fats and dairies and things like that. So it just adds a lot of extra calories to what you would otherwise consume. And we want to be clear, it is completely okay to order food out. It is completely okay to eat at your favorite local restaurant. That is fine. There's no need to feel guilty. There's no need to feel shame about wanting to do that. We just want to encourage you all to set some healthy boundaries for what that looks like. You know, if we're consuming an excessive amount of fats or sugars or things like that, it causes our brains and our bodies to crave more of that. So if we're trying to be more thoughtful and intentional with having foods that are more healthy and mindful and going to benefit us in the long run, reducing how often you're getting food in a takeout is going to be helpful. If you are going out to eat, there are some simple things that you can do, like pick an entree with a decent lean protein and include some vitamin-rich veggies on the side, or pick one meal of the week where there's no need to overthink it, and you can order whatever it is that you want, and you can enjoy it guilt and shame-free, knowing that the following day you can return to the new normal of prepared or planned meals at home. That segues nicely into our next easy new healthy behavior, which is preparing meals ahead of time. We've all been in that situation where we've come home and we're exhausted. It's been a long day at work, a long stressful day, and all we want to do is eat and relax. But there's one problem. The fridge only has condiments, so you're staring at mustard and leftover mac and cheese and you're thinking, hmm, I really need to just get on my Grubhub app as quickly as humanly possible so that I can order food. Yeah. After a long day, that's not exactly when you want to start cooking a big, fancy, extravagant meal from scratch, something that's going to take a ton of time and energy and several different ingredients. So one of the ways that you can make that a little bit easier is by planning and preparing ahead of time. It can save you stress. It can save you worry. We like to encourage our people to pick a day or a time where things are a little bit more chill, a little bit more mellow, and prep a few things ahead. This could be any time that suits you and suits your schedule. It could be on a Saturday, a Sunday. It could be on Monday evening. You could prep some extra protein. It could be cutting out veggies when you're waiting for your coffee to brew or when you've got a little bit of time in the afternoon right after work. Just any time that's convenient and easy for you. Frequently, we say start with the protein. Your protein in your meal is typically going to take the longest amount of time for you to cook. So if you're going to go ahead and throw some chicken in the oven to bake, get that done ahead of time so that that way on a long busy day, all you have to do is reheat it, maybe throw a few fresh veggies in on top or add a protein rich starch on the side. That saves you a ton of time and a ton of energy. Often when we're preparing protein ahead of time, like you just mentioned, we'll prepare chicken 
bacon. We'll either bake it a bunch at a time to make three or four meals, or we'll throw some in the Instant Pot. That's always a good idea. Having it available just really cuts some of the stress and the worry associated with having to cook a, a large meal. You mentioned protein-rich starches, things like quinoa. We really like quinoa. We do a microwavable version even, and that's incredibly convenient because it's a nice tasty side that we can just whip up really quickly. For added convenience, keep some microwavable rice. Keep some microwavable veggies on hand. Where you don't want to spend a ton of time cooking these ingredients, you can have dinner ready within 15 minutes if you have the protein available because that's, again, going to take the longest to cook. Items like chicken, like ground turkey, lean ground beef. It doesn't have to be every single meal, but having a few things planned out ahead of time can certainly be helpful. One of the other things that we have to be mindful in preparing with food around our house is minimizing the junk in the house. So that's tip number three is minimize the junk food in the house. It could be Kyle and I, we tend to have a bit of a sweet tooth, so definitely have to be mindful of any little Debbies floating around that maybe I picked out for the kids, for school lunches, or whatever the case may be. Other people, it's the salty stuff, and that's totally fine. No judgment at all for what your favorite treats are. That is completely okay. But we do have to set ourselves up well. And so if I've had a very long day, and I'm feeling hangry, and I'm restless, it is hard for me not to dole out a little treat for the kids, and then a couple of little treats for myself. So by keeping some of that junk minimal in the house, it makes me less likely to indulge in it out of a response to stress or a response to my own frustrations or exhaustion or whatever the case may be. What we're really talking about here is just setting up our environment and setting up our environment in a way that sets ourselves up for success. Because if we tend to go to the grocery store and we buy lots of highly palatable, calorically dense food items, lots of variations of Oreos, there's a new one every week, it seems, then we're going to be much more likely to consume those foods on a regular, consistent basis if they're in our environment, if they're in our home. But we're going to be much less inclined to eat these items if they're not in our home and we actually have to make a separate trip to go get them. So this is about setting up our environment in a way that serves us and serves our goals. I always recommend to my clients to consume junk food sparingly and in individualized portions if they are going to consume it and not necessarily buying two bags of ruffles and having them on your person at all times, having them in your home at all times. This also looks like going to your favorite local bakery or pastry shop and getting an individualized pastry or sweet treat if that's your thing. And that's an individualized portion that you might eat on a specific day, but you're not necessarily keeping tons of that item in your house. Anybody can have killer willpower for a moment, but eventually the willpower train will derail. And that's when the Oreos are going to be calling your name, especially late at night when we're mindlessly watching TV. That's a really easy time to snack on a lot of junk. So not having it in your environment is going to really set you up for success. So the next tip we have is the inverse of what we just talked about, which is not having junk food in your home, but having healthier items in your home, keeping healthier food items where you can see them in your house. So again, setting up your environment, keep fruit and veggies at the forefront. We always have apples and bananas in our line of sight on our kitchen counter. And I'm just much more inclined to eat those food items because I can see them. It's almost like a cue in the morning. I just grab a banana and science has proven that if it's within our line of sight, then that is an external cue 
cue triggering us to consume those food items. I like mixed berries as a snack. It's a voluminous food, meaning you get a lot of it and it's very low calorie. So it's a really great snack in the middle of the day and it helps curb that sweet tooth that I have. Yeah. And that's the thing too, looking for more mindful alternatives to some of your favorite snacks. So Kyle said, okay, I might do some mixed berries as a sweet treat in the middle of my day. I know that I'm not going to have a sugar crash later because of it. That's super helpful. I get a lot of food, a lot of bang for my buck, which is great. Another fun alternative that I like is uh, chopped up bell peppers with maybe some tzatziki sauce or some hummus, something where I can get something that tastes a little bit fresh. It's more in the savory or even sometimes salty range of cravings, which is great, but it is lower calorie. I get a lot of food without it adding up and that's really nice. There's tons of wonderful alternatives for some of our favorite treats as well. Halo Top ice cream is a great one. Swapping out the Ben and Jerry's for some Halo Top. Halo Top's even got some additional protein in there. I know, Kyle, one of your favorite swaps when you first started entertaining healthier, more mindful food choices was trading out granola bars for a protein bar because, again, we get the added benefit of a little bit of protein. That protein helps prevent some of the sugar crashes, which is great. There's tons of options available for looking for more mindful alternatives to your favorite snacks. So the next tip for getting started with healthier eating actually seems as though it doesn't have anything to do with food, but will definitely show the correlation and it's not getting enough sleep. So prioritizing protecting your sleep, which is definitely something I was not doing very well in my late 20s. And my sleep cycle just was all over the place. But believe it or not, getting too little sleep can be a major hindrance to our goals towards a happier and healthier lifestyle. And it can also be really difficult to burn body fat when we're not getting enough sleep too. Food is involved. So we now know that not getting enough restorative sleep causes ghrelin levels, which is the hunger impulse hormone to increase. So if we're more tired, we're going to be craving more food the next day. We're going to be hungrier. Our brain is going to be shouting for carbohydrates. Our brain runs on carbs. That's one of the reasons it does that. So the hormone leptin, the satiety and fullness hormone also decreases. So there's the inverse of that when we don't get enough sleep. To add insult to injury, our metabolic process takes a major hit in seasons of stress and fatigue, and stress and fatigue is heightened when we don't get enough shut-eye. Frequently, if I have not had enough sleep, not only am I a crabby monster the next morning, but it can also trigger some binge eating or even damaging and restricting behaviors for me. I feel like if I haven't gotten enough sleep, I feel very out of control. I feel like I don't have a handle on things and I frequently try to reinsert control into my life through my food choices. So I personally am just way more likely to overdo on the caffeine, which frequently causes an afternoon crash. And a lot of times that can leave me to feeling very hangry and snacky and I'm less likely to make mindful choices at that point. So that is a frequent cycle that we see with a lot of people too. You know, if you are overly exhausted, you're more likely to go through the Starbucks drive through and you get the latte with all the extra shots, but also all the extra whip and sugar causing more to that afternoon crash. Sometimes too, we find that feeling stressed out, feeling overly exhausted, you're more likely to consume excess amounts of alcohol in the evening, which can also be disruptive with your sleep cycles and sleep patterns. All to say these unhealthy behaviors, they cycle on each other when we're not getting enough rest. So how do we deal with that? How can we protect our sleep? Well, I do know that one thing I have to do is set a bedtime alarm with you, actually, Miss Pamela. 
we have a tendency, we're both guilty of this. We have a tendency to stay up late, but one option and a helpful one is just setting a bedtime alarm. We always think of alarms for when we wake up. We rarely think of setting alarms to actually go to bed and it can just be a nice gentle cue to tell us, hey, it's it's bedtime. There are lots of things we can do to help protect our sleep and wind down at the end of the day. Your brain wants to naturally produce melatonin. Melatonin is the hormone cue that's going to let your body know that it's time for rest. This can also include minimizing screens, minimizing time on the phone. There's wonderful yoga practices too that are very gentle, engage in deep breathing, meditation techniques that can help you wind down. A lot of these are available for free on YouTube. I know there's a lot of guided meditations for sleep specifically and yoga practices on YouTube. And if that's not your thing, maybe just listening to some really calm, easy music, or you could just throw on an audiobook about a, a really a heavy topic and maybe that'll put you right to sleep. <laughs> I legit know someone who does that. We do recommend that people shoot for approximately seven to nine hours of sleep every night. The magic number is going to be different for everyone, but getting a restorative amount of sleep on a consistent basis is going to add up. Now, like many of you, we've got kiddos. Gosh, the early days, Kyle's so grateful he missed the early days when the babies did not sleep. That can certainly be difficult. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Ask your partner, take turns, get a trusted sitter or a grandparent parent to take the kids overnight if you need to catch up on some extra rest. Get creative, find ways to protect your sleep because it will add up. Okay, and so the last one, and we could honestly do a whole series on this alone, but it is mindful eating. So being more mindful in our choices when it comes to food in general. And this, I think, encapsulates the other four as well. This particular context, we're talking about just being mindful about when we're eating, what we're consuming, those extra BLTs. So when we say that we mean extra bites, licks and tastes when we're cooking food, preparing food. It's very easy to be just kind of mindlessly consuming food while you're doing it. These can really add up. So if you're cooking a sauce or something, you're, you're consistently trying it, which is just going to add extra calories and things. So just being mindful and intentional when it comes to stuff like that. Mindless eating is eating without purpose or intention behind it. And one of the things we try to teach our people is to be thoughtful and intentional about everything that they're consuming in a way that where food serves their life and fuels their activity. Becoming mindful and aware of our eating is the beginning of a nutrition journey, really. We're taking the next steps towards a healthier perspective about food, and it includes knowing how to care for yourself through what food you're consuming. It's a common thing, too, as a parent as well, to just snack off of your kids' plates instead of making your own. And this is another place where we just want to bring some of the intention and the thought back into what we're consuming. Instead of eating randomly and impulsively, which is I think kind of the trap that all busy adults end up in invariably, especially here in America. Instead of that, aim to eat on purpose and with intention. Use food to add value to your life as a form of self-care and not just sustenance or eating out of boredom. When becoming aware of consuming those BLTs throughout the day, make a point to slow down. Ask yourself if you're hungry or if you're bored. Am I craving calories or am I just craving a sense of control? What's the purpose behind what it is that I'm consuming. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're looking down 
at the food item in your hand and you're thinking, what exactly am I eating this for? Every single time, that's not really the practice that goes into healthy eating. It's just an overview of all your food. Is it serving you? Is it making you feel good? Is it giving your life vitality? Is it serving some sort of utility to your life? Is it fueling your activity? If you're an active person, you're going to need more glucose possibly. You're going to need more carbohydrates. So let's say you're somebody that lifts. Your muscle bellies, they require that glucose because that's what's going to create the energy necessary to do the activity, which is lifting weights. So again, what's the purpose behind what's being consumed? Get to the root of the food emotion versus the actual physiological hunger. Yeah. And listen to those cues. Actually listen and pay attention to what your body really needs. I think we're so inundated with routine that if we come home and we immediately get to the pantry, it becomes a habit. And we consistently do that. So making sure too that you're listening to what your body actually needs and not just what it's used to. Hopefully this has been helpful. As always, if you guys have any questions about what it can look like for you or how it can work in your lifestyle, feel free to hit us up at any point. But this is the thing. It's about starting somewhere, finding a few easy things that you can take next steps on in your own life. And developing a healthy relationship with food is just one piece of that puzzle. So there are plenty of other ways that you can do that. We didn't mention tracking food or journaling, talking about macros. These are all things that we're going to certainly get into as we continue this podcast. But as always, if you have any questions, certainly feel free to contact us or hit us up. That's it for today. And this has been the Better Self Project. (laughs) We'll catch you next time. If you'd like more information about what we do at Better Self, feel free to check us out at betterselfnutrition.com or you can check us out on Instagram at betterselfnutrition. And also feel free to drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, email us at betterselfnutrition at gmail.com. All right. We look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you for giving us your time and your headphones and your life. Have a fantastic day and we'll talk to you soon.